0: Welcome to Vincent Price's laugh. Good evening, LB. Hello,
1: Andrew. Who? Andrew.
0: No, this is Captain Shiver Me Bootstrap Timber Buckle. What? Doesn't, don't worry, doesn't make sense. I can't keep it up. Not keeping it up. (laughs) Okay. That didn't make any sense anyway, that stupid name. (laughs) What the heck was I doing that about anyway?
1: Well, Andrew, it sounds like you are ready to take a voyage on the open sea to uncharted waters.
0: Yeah, well, maybe. I was just thinking about being seasick or something like that, and I don't really get seasick.
1: So, you think it's a pirate's life for you?
0: No, it's not. I I don't think I I have sea legs like that. (laughs) I don't know. I'm a landlubber.
1: I am, too. So, what's on the plate today, Andrew?
0: Well, we're talking about a couple of boat movies.
1: Boats. Scary boats. Scary boats.
0: <laughs> yeah. Scary boats. Scary boats.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: That's what the genre's called.
1: <laughs> oh, is that a Netflix category?
0: Yes. Netflix horror slash scary boats.
1: <laughs> okay. And the first one is Ghost Ship. Mr.
2: Murphy, I'm Jack up. I fly the Arctic Weather Patrol last month. I was out in the middle of the Strait when I came across this
0: congratulations you found a boat in the middle of the ocean
2: what do you think a ship like this could be worth depends on if we have the right to salvage i do know one thing the Sea gives you an opportunity to take it yo murph i think you should get up here it's an ocean liner it's the Antonia Grassa. any sign of what might have happened nothing no passengers no crew no captain no mention of anything of the ship's love what do you make of that Oh, shit.
3: I think I saw something I couldn't possibly have seen. I think I saw a little girl.
2: We're all trapped here.
3: I want to show you something. I told you guys earlier that there was something seriously wrong with this boat. Haunted, possessed, whatever you want to call it. I said we get our boat going and get the hell out of here. What are we going to do? We have got to get off this boat now
2: voyage.
0: So this movie starts off pretty cool. It has this old-timey Warner Brothers fanfare, like back when movies came out in the 60s or so. Yeah. It looks like that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Like the opening titles are in a kind of cute scripted font. They're pink.
0: Yeah, they're pink over a kind of a deep blue, right? Yeah. Because everything is happening at night, so it's shot in this deep blue, and then... The pink font, which is, um, if you can Mm -hmm. think of Bewitched, sort of, maybe. Or like Pillow Talk or something like that. Yeah. Which I found it to be kind of odd that they were going that way for a movie called Ghost Ship. Like to start it off with. That Instead of a, a early 60s horror font typography thing. Yeah. Because it's called Ghost Ship. You're not fooling anybody.
1: <laughs> right? Just because it's written in pink yeah. cursive. Right? You're not fooling anybody. So yeah. like,
0: if this is supposed to be a horror movie called Ghost Ship, embrace that old typography that went with horror movies like that. But instead, you have the swirly, cute, really good font work, but... Uh-huh. I don't know if it was appropriate for it. I think they were just trying to say, this is supposed to look of the era of 1962. Yeah. But whatever.
1: This is a story about a ship that, you you said 1962, which is correct. The beginning of the movie is a luxury cruise that's happening in the 60s. And uh, everyone dies due to some like Final Destination looking stuff.
0: Right, kind of? And I was always kind of bothered by how everybody's, yes, everybody gets cut in half by this cord. I really want this to be myth busted mm. to see if it can actually happen. The velocity that the cord, the metal cord, has to be going
3: mm-hmm.
0: is at such speeds in order to cut people in half. But there's one guy who gets his face cut from his mouth to the back of his head. So his head just slides off mm-hmm. at his jawline, mm-hmm. basically, mouthline. Like, he's standing upright. In most of the scenes, how it's shot, it looks like. But then this, this time that we were watching it, I paid attention even closer to scrutinize it. And there were a couple of shots where he's actually bent over uh-huh. the girl, saving her. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be like where they get the logic of it like slicing through his face. Hmm. But he-
1: okay, yeah. No, that scene is very gruesome. There's a lot of gore in that. I think, though, if everyone was beheaded... Like, instead of, like, being... Chopped chopped at at different places. Yeah. If everybody was beheaded, I think maybe that might be even more gruesome. Like... I don't know. Like, because it's such a. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's awful either way, but like, you think like getting your head chopped off, there's like absolutely no way that you can come back from that.
0: Now, I think the problem would have been that everybody is at a different height. Yeah. So it's not just like everybody who is six foot two. (laughs) Right. We have to account for everybody on the dance floor. Six foot two. Get everybody who's six foot two on the dance floor. We're going to chop their heads off with this cord.
1: Yeah. Well, after that awful scene, uh, we fast forward. uh, Present day. Yeah, present day. Not your birthday. Not Christmas. (laughs) But present day.
0: That old joke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There is a salvage crew. They've just finished their most recent haul and they are having a celebratory time at their local bar where they are approached by a man who has spotted a derelict boat somewhere off in the middle of the ocean that he thinks they should try to go after.
2: Hi, Mr. Murphy. I'm Jack and I was wondering if I could buy you a drink.
1: He doesn't drink. Now, Maritime Law <laughs> states that anybody who finds an abandoned boat, whatever is in that boat it's finders keepers. What they do is you board the boat, you see if there's anything that can be done as far as like getting it in working order again or you can just you know tug it back and you take it to the admiralty court. Basically you turn it in and then you get rewarded for uh, if maybe the ship had insurance on it or if uh, the cargo itself had insurance on it or whatever it's Worth
0: Even whatever the cargo is, you may be able to keep that and then sell that off.
1: If something is in international waters, it's yours.
0: So Desmond Harrington, the guy who comes up with the deal, says he can't haul this in himself and he needs a crew and he comes to them.
1: Mm -hmm. Because it's a giant ocean liner, the very same from the beginning of the film.
0: It's weird. The movie doesn't really give us a mystery except it does give us a mystery. It doesn't give us all the details, but it really kind of almost jumps the gun in showing us all that mayhem at the beginning because obviously that's setting up that there's something once we've learned that this is the same boat mm-hmm. so we as the audience know that there's this horrible atrocity that happened and there's gotta be since it's called ghost ship there's gotta be some ghosts or something <laughs> haunting it since that time yeah in 1962 the aftermath of that but they get hired and he appeals to their greed right which i don't necessarily really think that it's appealing to greed
1: well it, greed's a part of it but i think also it's a sense of adventure and accomplishment because they know that they're the best
0: even the greed though i don't think that it's greed initially they do want to go back home to their families one man has a fiance the other guys don't really have too much to do the captain is just like uh nah we're tired and then he appeals like well, i'll give you this percentage And that, Mm -hmm. whatever, of the hall. But this is a job that is hit and miss.
1: Yeah, because there could be nothing on that boat.
0: There could be nothing out there at all whenever they go out looking for stuff. Yeah, that's true. So it costs money to do this stuff. So I don't necessarily think that it's an appeal to greed. So I find that to be almost misleading. To us as, as being informed by the filmmakers saying that, oh, it's an appeal to greed. Well, they take the job. Each actor does portray an actual character as opposed to just being a, a non-character. They all mm. are characters.
1: Yeah. They have their own personalities.
0: There's the captain who's like silent and strong. Mm-hmm. There's a second, which is Julianne Margulies, mm-hmm. who is not silent, but is strong. Yeah. And she doesn't play, oh, boys, type of strong girl character dismissive of all the boys she's just mm-hmm. like a, anybody and isaiah washington he's the man with the fiance the man of temptations i would say <laughs> right Carl Urban, who is sort of uh, the rude kid on the boat.
1: That's his first uh, feature film, I think.
0: That's his introduction to American audiences. Oh, okay, yeah. But in Australia, Carl Urban was all over the place doing other things. Ron Elder is probably the most blank character here. He just plays generic kind of frat guy sensibilities without being too bro. He's just a guy. And the last crew member is a hispanic dude played by an australian man his name is alex demetriades greek name he's playing a hispanic guy named santos so they get there and it actually feels a lot like event horizon but instead of space it's on earth with boats doesn't totally follow the whole thing of event horizon but it it does feel similar
1: except it doesn't have a weird demon orgy at the end
0: yeah And demon possession or alternate dimension possession stuff. It doesn't have that stuff. But it's just, they have something in common, I think.
1: This movie has a good amount of tension and dread. Now, Going into it, I didn't really expect to be scared. I didn't see this film when it came out in 2002. I didn't see I didn't. it because I didn't see movies like this back then. Like mm. back then I was like strictly indie movie snob. Yeah. So I watched it for the first time just a few years ago, probably. And it was kind of like, yeah, okay. We watched it again recently and I was actually feeling very scared and I'm not the kind of person who, like, gets scared really easily.
0: No, but you do like the ghost movie. I
1: do. And I was actually impressed on the amount of tension that was building as they were walking around this abandoned boat in the dark with their flashlights and everything is all rusted out and, and destroyed. I really felt like I was with them. Hmm. There is a for sure ghost in this movie who is a little girl who we see at the beginning. She's the only survivor of sure. this awful uh, massacre. Yeah. This little girl who is actually played by Emily Browning.
0: Yeah. That's her one of her earliest films. Yeah. Forms. If you don't know Emily Browning, she was in... The most popular thing that she was in was the much-hated Sucker Punch.
1: Right. She played Baby Doll. Yeah.
0: And yeah. she followed that up with a very adult film called Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Which actually is pretty good, but not necessarily for the reasons that you'd think because she's in skimpy clothes or naked or something whatever. <laughs> but here she is what? 11 12?
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: And she's the, the lone survivor. Yeah. Except she didn't obviously survive cuz she's a ghost.
1: Yeah. And it's it's cool because you think uh I, well maybe it's like attributed from uh like Resident Evil and the little girl who runs the hive. You're all going to die down here.
0: Okay. Red Queen. Really,
1: yeah, like I feel like any little girl ghost
0: Is going to be malevolent?
1: Yeah, especially if she has a British accent.
0: Well, just ghosts in general are malevolent. And then, not necessarily because of him, but Guillermo del Toro pulled out ghosts and started messing around with them as being benevolent. So there would be ghosts of warning. Yeah. So, Devil's Backbone, Mm -hmm. which came out before this, Mm -hmm. is uh, warning, hey, there's something nefarious happening. I'm a ghost and I'm telling you. Right. As opposed to, I'm a ghost, I'm going to kill you or try to take your soul away. Yeah, 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 This movie has both types of ghosts.
1: Yeah, I, I think they changed how they directed her. Like, as you're first discovering that there is a little girl ghost, like, uh, she is seen by Juliana Margulies' character. She typically has, like, a very menacing look on her face.
0: Ah, uh, is it menacing? Let me ask you. Is it because she's blank? She just looks up. She just has this blank expression. So you have lighting, and you have the attire, and you have the setting, which is informing you of like the derelict situation, right? So what are you bringing to it?
1: Well, you know, the way I remember it is that she kind of had a mischievous smirk on her face, but maybe that's just my human brain remembering it that way because that's how I want it to be. So I I can't really say, but like that's the idea that I got from it was like that they had actually told her to act differently at this point in the story. Where later we learn that she is uh, hmm. a nice ghost, we're all
3: trapped here. Who, my shipmates, and I,
0: Katie? What do you mean
3: when the boat's full? What, it's okay, you can tell me,
0: like, Wait, I, which is what I'm trying to get at. So, like, maybe they did have her smirk, perhaps, mm-hmm. maybe you just projected that, <laughs> maybe because a lot of times, whenever we watch something or witness something we will change a detail here and there and it's not on purpose we're not trying to lie mm-hmm. we're not trying to fool ourselves mm-hmm. we're not trying to but when we recount the information to somebody i saw this thing and they did this we fill in blanks mm-hmm. we tweak it just a bit to make it make sense for our mind at the yeah, time
1: we want to support the narrative that we're making up
0: or that we're trying to follow yeah so i'm thinking maybe you projected.
1: maybe but i mean that's not to say that she didn't smirk
0: Unless we just watch it right now again and find out <laughs> she didn't out. smirk. Find out right now. So projections aside, she's a little ghost. Turns mm-hmm. out she's a benevolent ghost. Yeah. She's wanted to warn them, get off the boat. Why though?
1: And that's why we have to figure out for the rest of the film, like, what is this evil? What is this unspeakable evil? Nazi gold! Kind of. Perhaps.
0: I don't know if it's Nazi, really. This is a decent enough movie that we don't necessarily want to spoil it, but this has some age-old mythology in it as well. Mm -hmm. So you have the temptation of gold. So sometime in the 60s, people followed that temptation of the gold. Mm -hmm. They caused this massacre, which caused the ghosts. This might have been the first batch of people that this happened to at the hands of this overall villain. It seems at least on this boat, because this boat has been just floating around for forever it seems, mm-hmm. trying to gather somebody's attention and come on come out to the boat so and then we kill you some more. Actually it seems to be that that happened because they found like a digital watch. Oh yeah yeah yeah. on there. So it's not the first crew that's been out there to salvage it. That's what we're led to think anyway. Yes. And Desmond Harrington, his last name is Ferryman. It's
1: pretty obvious.
0: That's got to do with the age-old myth- mythology thing. Mm-hmm. Ushering souls to the other side. I don't quite understand totally what his deal is. Like, it's his job, but he is not the devil.
1: Right. Is he indentured to that's the, de- what to the devil? That's what it seems
0: like. He's like, if I don't do this, I don't get my bonus.
2: I'm a salvager. Just like you, you collect ships, I collect souls, and when I fill my quota, I send a boatload home. This will make management happy. See, it's a job given to me after a lifetime of sin. So if I lose this ship, management won't be happy.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like he's got a commission sort of thing? Anyway, it's pretty good how the twist turns out. All the characters have these ghost moments. There's even ghost food. Yeah. Which uh, in movies is always let's eat some food and then realize that it's maggots
1: oh right right
0: so that's where you have ron eldard and, and carl urban <laughs> eating the food and being all cool and then carl urban going there's something on your oh my god I know, you thought it would look like rice. Yeah. I didn't slow it down or anything to make sure that the, they were wiggling on this tongue, but it was really effective. And I think maybe he had like mealworm in his mouth.
1: Maybe. That's just gross. Well, that's what they eat in Australia, so it was, what? was no. totally fine for Come him. Come
0: on, no. You don't know nothing about Australia. All they <laughs> eat in Australia is Vegemite. Vegemite and kangaroo.
1: And shrimp.
0: Right. Shrimp. Vegemite, kangaroo, and shrimp.
1: So what's in this movie? Like, what is the substance in Ghost Ship? Because you don't think of a movie like this having too much substance. I think, really, it has to do with temptation.
0: Well, there's a ton of temptation.
1: This is a human psyche film. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of bits of temptation in this.
0: Once they learn that there's gold on the ship, they're like, Oh, well, we can just leave the boat because the boat is almost irreparable. Yeah. So they just want to take the gold.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Some screw-up happened so that they now have to repair the ship. Yeah. And they can't take their little tug. So now what, right? The temptation got them stuck.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because they started following that temptation. Yeah. So Isaiah Washington's character is always talking about his fiancée and how he wants to get back to her. And then I think this is... I don't know if I'm bringing this to the movie or not, but he's Isaiah Washington is a big, beautiful black man. He's seen as a man who's super tempted by the naked sexy lady because there is a singer ghost lady mm-hmm. who is sultry mm-hmm. this statuesque italian woman who ends up getting her kid off to tempt him to his death and he follows it like he's in a trance like oh okay boobs italian sexy lady boobs francesca i, I know all of this isn't real so well um, i'm just gonna go with it okay can't cheat on it. On your fiance with the dead girl, right? And then he falls to his death. So one I think that's a maybe a subconscious Like, it could have been any guy.
1: Yeah, like, it's not a commentary or anything. Like, I don't think they did it on purpose. However, I think it was kind of irresponsible for them to have made that what happens to the black man. Yeah. Because there's, like, why? Why pick on the black guy?
0: Why make it the black guy? It could have been Carl Urban's character.
1: Yeah, and that's just not fair because it's it's totally a stereotype.
0: Do you see the over-libidinous black man who's always like tempted by the lady and he can't do anything uh-huh. like that's men in general what they think but it's even compounded even more when it comes to black men being that way mm-hmm. and uh, it stood out this last time that yeah. i was watching it even more and i think it stood out because of our cultural climate right now mm-hmm. back in 2002 it wasn't thought of so much
1: yeah but we weren't th- as sensitive that th- doesn't make it excusable no no but we weren't know.
0: as sensitive as a culture so it wasn't a sore thumb Yeah. Like it is right now.
1: No, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Uh, It's, it's It's disappointing, really. It's
0: not quite as dimensional as it should be. But that's not saying that he's not playing the character well. Mm-hmm. It's saying that he's playing the character as it's on paper and he's trying to bring more dimension to it. And because he is struggling for a moment, he doesn't want to do any of this stuff and he just wants to leave. Yeah. And then he's tempted and then he's like, oh, well, who's going to know type of thing. And like one men comment on men who's going to know I'm a man. If I were to be tempted by somebody, I'm just tempted. If I'm going to follow through with that temptation, I'm still going to know. I have a standard of my own living. It's not if nobody else sees me, I can get away. With, no, I'm going to know. So that's an annoying thing. And then the stereotype of the black man who just can't keep it in his pants
2: mm-hmm.
0: thing.
1: It does lead to his demise. So conscience aside, he shouldn't have done it.
0: Sure. I mean, that's the point. Mm-hmm. But they never set up that he was like, a, his head turned all the time at a naked lady or a sexy lady walking by or a, a waitress or something where he was just checking her out all the time and his buddies point that out and say, hey, I don't think you're ready for marriage. They do have the line i don't think you're ready for marriage but it wasn't in relation to any sort of temptation yeah so i think there were some script issues here sure, sure. especially with that character mm-hmm. because i really do like isaiah washington mm-hmm. and i want to see him in a, a role that especially in a, a horror movie like this that doesn't like simplify him to being a dumb stereotype that white people think of
1: right right The other bit of temptation in the film is Gabriel Byrne as the captain. He is a recovering alcoholic. And uh, when he finds the captain's quarters of that ship, there is... Ghost liquor! That sounds kind of gross.
0: Not liquor ghost. (laughs) And I don't know what that means. (laughs) Uh, I don't either. But, okay, anyway, stop thinking about ghost porn, Albie.
1: But I love ghost porn. (laughs) (laughs) It's very haunting. All it is is just sheets moving around. For whatever reason, he decides that he's going to partake and...
0: Maybe it's the vintage. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Like, it's this really old whiskey. So he's like, "Mm, well, I don't... Man, I can't pass this up because it's really old whiskey. This stuff would be super expensive if I (laughs) were on land buying it from a liquor store or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe. But...
1: And he goes off the wagon, and it also kind of leads to his demise.
0: Yeah, he gets put into the drink, as they say. Uh
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Glug, glug, glug.
1: So the moral of the story is uh, don't be tempted, right?
0: No, don't follow the temptation. You're Uh always tempted. There's temptations all around us. Just don't follow the temptations, or be wise to the ones that you should follow, because not all temptations, I think are incorrect or bad
1: yeah when i see a swimming pool you're tempted to jump into it yes
0: that's not a bad one
1: hopefully not i don't know if you noticed andrew but this film was put out by dark castle entertainment
0: it's at the beginning of the movie it says dark castle i noticed
1: oh so you did notice
0: yeah they put out two movies prior to this House on Haunted Hill, which we've talked about, and 13 Ghosts, which we have not talked about, which Mm -hmm. I think they should have made 13 Ghosts like yesterday with all the 3D magic that they can do now. Yeah. And it would be like a Super Boom awesome movie.
1: Yeah, duh.
2: Duh.
0: Duh. Duh. Given the nature that the 13 Ghosts movie original William Castle film had to do with putting on glasses at a certain time and seeing the ghost pop up. Mm-hmm. I don't think the audience would want to be putting the glasses on and off throughout the movie, but, I mean, they could do something cool with 3D anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. William Castle, you say?
0: Yes, I say. William Castle.
1: It didn't occur to me until just now that Dark Castle Entertainment or Dark Castle Pictures or whatever it's called is William Castle. And the idea was to remake... William Castle movies.
0: So Joel Silver, who started Dark Castle, he's the guy behind The Matrix and various other movies. Like uh. As far as putting big money up behind movies, mm-hmm. he's this massive blockbuster producer. He started Dark Castle. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know that Dark Castle was intended to be
1: remaking William Castle pictures. This ghost ship is the first one of them that was original content.
0: Hmm, that <laughs> was supposed to be feeling like a William Castle movie? Yeah, I was
1: wondering about that too. Like, do, do you think that this has any, any sort of William Castle-ness to it?
0: Well, when you watch the remakes, those two remakes feel like they came from the same studio at least. Yeah, And this feels like it also came from the same studio, but it actually feels better. Because you have House on Haunted Hill, which we've already talked about. And we've talked about how kind of lame it is at certain points. It has a couple of cool things, but it's a bit Halloween-ish. It's a bit stereotypically insane asylum template horror. And 13 Ghosts is Halloween costume monsters with big rubber spikes through their heads. Right. And they're quite unrealistically ghoulish. Whereas this film has a lot more realistic elements to it, which makes it seem a bit more legitimate than the two previous. So this Mm -hmm. one actually feels like a better film.
1: Yeah, I think so too. After this one, they did Gothica, which was also original content. But they also did, well, of course, Return to House on Haunted Hill. and Yeah. And um, House of Wax,
0: so they progressively seemed to get yeah. much more cinematic yeah. and better, except for the straight to video stuff. Right,
1: right. And after that, they even branched out to not, jo- not, well, what, yeah, what not genre heavy. They did like rock and roll. Oh, right. Right. That was
0: weird. Rock and roll, a Guy Ritchie crime movie in the vein of his previous crime movies like Snatch and Lockstock, but it's a dark castle movie. Yeah. That's weird. I guess we can put it under that banner. Why? <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's I guess that's where we have the money tied up. All right. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. Okay. William Castle. I wish they kept making them, the William Castle remakes. Yeah. Especially now that they can do all the 3D crazy stuff that he was known for exploiting.
1: Uh-huh. Well, let me call Susan Downey. Do it. And I'll let her know.
0: Get on the phone right now.
1: Okay. Beep 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 beep
0: that you're hitting one button. That's her number. One button? Yeah. I don't know what button you're hitting. It's
1: nine 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 nine
0: nine. Is that one button too much?
1: That's her number.
0: <laughs> you're also speaking German saying no.
1: No, 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 no. No.
0: no. Which is uh, also what you're admitting that's not her number. Mm-hmm.
1: It's her husband's number.
0: I'm on to you. <laughs>
1: While we're on the subject of suppositions. Okay. I'm not going to be ashamed. I got this information from the internet movie database. Oh no. Oh no. This script that uh, turned out to be the movie that we see. Yeah. Is not the original script. They
0: the... seldom are actually. You get to sell, yeah. it, and then well, they that's hand true. you rewrites. That's true. That's, true. that's true. Even as you're going.
1: That's true. In this case, the movie that was produced was absolutely not the movie the actors and the crew signed on to do. It was supposed to be more of a psychological thriller. Okay. What they called it was The Shining on the Sea. Hmm. I don't really see it being The Shining exactly.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't like anything that says it's supposed to be The Shining yeah. on the suburban house the shining
1: yeah because here you, and there. you know it's just a buzz term because everybody loves the shining so much except for us <laughs> um, you know but-
0: I'll, I'll, I'm going to divert here what i love about the shining a lot of the camera work yeah. the blood hallway is amazing mm-hmm. the run through the maze all that stuff is really cool all the psychological stuff around it and even some of the mindy magic crap mm-hmm. eh, i don't care I don't care. It doesn't draw me in.
1: It's a work of art, but, you know, whatever. This film was originally supposed to be a psychological thriller in that vein, where they would get together on this ship, and it was going to be kind of a, uh, is this the work of ghosts, or is it not? Are we going crazy? We're at our wits' end, and we're pitted against each other. So,
0: it sounds like you're describing more like Session Mm 9, which was a crew of people going into... Uh, sort Uh, of
1: an asylum right yeah yeah, sort of
0: clean up an asylum yeah by brad anderson they go into clean up an asylum and progressively weird stuff starts happening and we learn throughout the film that one of the main characters is possibly going mad Mm -hmm. but the other characters seemingly are experiencing strange things too yeah and the Conclusion of it is, there's no ghosts. So it's a more psychological thing. Right. That's Session 9, and it's a pretty amazing, scary, thriller Mm -hmm. sort sort of horror movie. It's the dread that makes it a horror film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this, you said that this movie had some dreadful elements to Mm -hmm. it that you felt while walking through basically the exploring parts.
1: Yes,
3: yes.
0: Which is very successful for a horror film to give you that sense of unease. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of, with the traditional ghosty stuff kind of pulls the rug out from under that tension and makes it not as scary it kind
1: of fizzles out yeah in ghost ship there's that point where it sort of becomes a different movie and i don't quite like that about ghost ship like when
0: everything starts to become revealed
1: yeah when the reveal happens yes it is
0: like why the mayhem happened in the first place in, in 1962, is shown to us through ghosty flashbacks sort of things mm-hmm. that are happening in real time. And it, it's a flashback. They start witnessing this stuff. Uh, there's a pool where people are killed in. And it's part of the massacre on a different part of the boat. Mm-hmm. And that fills up with blood in our real time. It's really cool imagery, but the wise... The revealing of why almost
1: it feels lazy to me
0: there's this thing that happens. Do you want to know the answer to the mystery, or do you want the mystery to keep going?
1: yeah, 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 yeah,
0: and we want to know the answer to the mystery, but whenever we know the answer to the mystery, almost always it's never satisfying,
1: yeah, yeah, and this one was disappointing to me,
0: especially with the reveal of ferryman, <sighs> yes, because then it seemed like there's too much of a reason,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's too supernatural and and like
0: the mythology, like out. goes back to Greek mythology, like the ferryman on the river Styx. Yeah, you know.
1: yeah. So it, it makes it I don't know, unbelievable.
0: <laughs> Slightly hokey.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: That's not to say, honestly, for me, that's not to say don't watch it. I think this movie has a lot going for it that would make it beneficial to watch. That's as true. A scary movie.
1: That, that, that's true too. Like I, I wouldn't say don't watch it, um, but I think that if it was a psychological thriller in the vein of session nine like you said i think it would have made it a lot better of a movie
0: Hmm. i think maybe i would want it to be more balanced between the two of them but the ferryman aspect of it i would want that to be less on the nose Mm -hmm. because it's so on the nose that you go what oh what oh what really and then by the end of it, when everything's fine and okay, mm-hmm. and you have the actual animated ghosts floating up to the heavens. Yeah. You're like, okay, re- what? <laughs> All right, I guess. that, And that's... The end of the movie leaves you with, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing I wanted to suppose is Gabriel Byrne was not originally cast in this film. Who was? It's Brian Cox. And huh, he, Why Why not? Well, because he had to go to the ring. Oh. Yeah. So uh, they, well. they replaced him with uh, Gabriel Byrne. But uh, how do you think it would be different if Brian Cox was the ship's captain?
0: Well... He would have brought uh, animated personality to it, as opposed to Gabriel Byrne's very subdued portrayal. Right. Because Brian Cox is not necessarily, like, Jim Carrey of dramatic actors, right? (laughs) Animated. Okay. Jim Carrey's really animated of comedy actors. Yeah. And even when he does his drama stuff, you can see him, like, really struggling to just (laughs) wiggle out and be silly. But Brian Cox can do both comedy and Drama, Yeah. And horror. Yeah. And so when he does his stuff... He's the original Hannibal Lecter. He's totally chill as the original Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. Intimidating. And then he's in Super Troopers. <laughs> and he's somewhat, like, had it. Sort of an explosive, get off my back, guys, get your butts in gear type of portrayal of that character. He's in X-Men 2. He's so varied in how he portrays things. He's one of my favorite actors. I think that he would actually given it a much-needed texture. Gabriel Byrne is not a terrible actor. He's adequate. He does a good job. But I think that Brian Cox, if he had done this movie, would have elevated that role and made it a bit more notable. Gabriel Byrne plays it too subtle, maybe? Hmm. What do you think?
1: I think I would have enjoyed it more, but I'm not sure. Okay, if I think about the relationships that the characters have with each other, like I'm trying to imagine Brian Cox. like How would the relationship that Juliana Margulies's character has with the ship's captain, Mm -hmm. how would that be different? Because they've been together in this salvaging for many, many years.
0: It's a very father-daughter relationship. Yes, yes.
1: It's it's that kind of thing. Like They take care of each other. How would that be different? You're
0: wondering and maybe cautious about Brian Cox and her playing off each other because you're familiar and you believe it enough at least Mm -hmm. that they have that relationship in this film versus the not-in-this-film- version where you just don't know if he's going to be tender enough
1: yeah i think that's the thing like i don't know if he's going to be tender enough like i i can't think of a role that brian cox has done that he seems soft and gentle and that's not to say that's the entire no the the (laughs) entire role of the ship's captain in this film is not a soft he's not a soft and gentle person but he is towards juliana yeah there's affection
0: there that's underlying everything and this is where i'm saying gabriel plays things subtly like you know that there's a connection there Mm -hmm. and he does his job well as an actor yeah in that regard but there's a certain kind of texture that brian cox it's the only way i can say it's texture mm-hmm. that brian cox can bring to the role that I, I think maybe might be more beneficial to the movie yeah but i'm wondering too about that how tender would he be i mm-hmm. think he could do it
1: yeah well but, i'm sure he could i just i can't think of any roles i mean what's i, I really can't right so yeah i don't know so andrew it, it sounds like you basically do recommend this film
0: For the most part.
1: Okay.
0: I have reservations, but it's not enough to say, don't ever watch this movie. No. There's some really good stuff to
1: this. Yeah. You know, I agree with that. It's not a bad film. It's good for... You're up late on a Saturday night, and you don't really have much else in mind to watch. So you should just put it on and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we do the deeper thinking. I do the deeper thinking on stupid crap all the time. Mm -hmm. So... You don't really have to listen to me. You have to listen to me if you're listening to the podcast. You can't not listen to me. But you don't have to necessarily take me too seriously when I'm like, but I object!
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, my objections aside, this is a decent flick.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. So let's go with the next movie.
0: But before we get to that, there's a little primer that you need to know. Maybe you already do, maybe you don't, but it's about submarines. It's six minutes of science.
1: Of to understand how boats float and submarines dive, let's first take a look back to the discovery of buoyancy, way back to around 250 B.C. and ancient Greek mathematician Archimedes. Legend has it that King Hero II had supplied a local goldsmith with an amount of gold to be crafted into a new votive crown. When the crown was delivered, the king was wary of the goldsmith's work, thinking he had perhaps replaced some of the gold with silver as he forged the crown keeping the king's gold for himself. Archimedes, a respected scholar, was tasked with figuring out if the crown was indeed solid gold, but the catch was that he couldn't harm the crown in any way, meaning he couldn't use the typical method of melting the metal down to determine its density. Left with this conundrum, Archimedes went to take a bath, where he noticed something curious. The water level in the tub rose as he got in. He then realized that he could use this discovery to determine the volume of the crown, since the volume of the water displaced is directly proportional to that of the object placed therein. So if the crown had been made of metals that are less dense than gold, less water would be displaced. Therefore, the crown would be fake. It is said that upon making this discovery, Archimedes was so excited that he ran out into the streets naked. Shouting Eureka or in English. I've found it which incidentally is where we get that phrase as it was the crown was fake So what about buoyancy? When an object is partially or fully immersed in water, there are forces acting upon it. The force downward is the object's weight, and the buoyant upward force is the weight of the water itself. Water is incompressible, so it's always going to have a high density, which means it exerts a lot of upward pressure. This pressure, or up thrust, acts as a balance that supports the object from underneath. So if the object weighs less than the amount of water it displaces, it will always float. Boats are designed with these principles in mind. One example is the ballast tank. These tanks are located in the very bottom of the boat and are filled with differing amounts of water to provide it with stability. When water pressure changes, Say, if the boat goes into a more shallow area, the amount of water in the tank can be adjusted to help it stay afloat. Boats sink because the more water that's collected in them adds more weight to them, which makes it harder for the water to produce the correct amount of upthrust to achieve a balance. But what about submarines? How do they rise and dive so quickly and simply? Contrary to what you might imagine, submarines never dive vertically. The subs have diving planes and various types of jets and fins, but they also employ the same methods of ballast tanks to control buoyancy to make them rise or fall as they need to. As a sub submerges, the vents in the top of the ballast tank and valves in the bottom open. Air escapes through the vents as water comes in through the bottom. If buoyancy is positive, the tank filled with air causes the sub to weigh less than the body of water, so the sub will float at the surface. If the buoyancy is neutral, the tank is filled with a balance of air and water, and the sub will float at mid-level, partially submerged. And finally, if the buoyancy is negative, the tank is filled completely with water, which makes the sub weigh more than the water surrounding it, and the sub can easily sink to the seabed. That wasn't six minutes. I don't think that was six minutes.
0: So why why all that submarine stuff?
1: Our next film is below. (gasps) We have contact. Starboard beam, 11
0: miles out, sir. Stand by to board survivors. Next man, let's go. Next man.
2: We got three survivors, one's a woman.
0: Try not to fraternize with the men. Some of them get a little strange.
2: Strange isn't superstitious.
0: Isn't strange.
2: Best looking bad luck I ever saw. In the midst of war, The crew of a U.S. submarine Hey,
3: you're oversteering. She's getting some resistance, sir.
2: is about to cross the line. Accidents happen, right? Maybe we're spending more time watching that broad than watching our backs. Mr. Bryce,
3: we wanted to ask you about Captain Winters.
2: What'd you tell her? The story.
3: The submarine isn't a good place to keep secrets.
2: Their senses betray them. Their minds deceive them. You okay? Their fear surrounds them.
3: Just how much longer can we not say what we're all thinking? I don't believe
2: we're alone down here. This boat is cursed.
1: Below also came out in 2002.
2: Yeah,
0: okay, so Hollywood does this thing where they go, Hey, we've got a boat movie. <laughs> we need another boat movie. Yeah. In one year, a Poseidon movie came out, and another Poseidon movie came out. Poseidon Adventure. It's another boat movie. I don't want to go there. Ah, uh, Poseidon movies. schmoseidon movies.
1: That's Poseidon the point.
0: <laughs> there's like Ants and a Bug's Life. There's a movie up, and there's another movie down. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> that, that didn't happen. Not in that way, anyway. So... Hollywood does this thing where they the studios hear about it. Or or it's just a Zeke Geist thing or a plate of shrimp, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. So that's what seems to have happened here. Ghost Ship Below. In production about the same time, released in the same year.
1: It's easy to get them mixed up, except they're completely different films. Yes. Um, when we put on Ghost Ship, I was like, hey, where's that Galifianakis?
0: <laughs> you did say that. I did say that. Because you got them confused. I did. It's easy. Also, initially, when you saw Below and Ghost Ship for the first time, it was like this. We, years ago, watched both of them almost back to back. Okay. So you transpose the two things because they're also two boat stories and they're not... So similar, but the setting is very similar. Yeah, sure. So, and Zach Galifianakis is indeed in Below.
1: Below is the story of a World War II submarine. A boat,
0: actually. <laughs> I keep saying boat, but yes, well, it's a submarine. Well, yeah, yeah. It's a U-boat.
1: Yes, U-boat. U-boat. Me-boat? Amoeba records.
0: Uba records.
1: U-boat. I'm not a boat. Submarine sandwich.
0: Stream of consciousness weirdness. <laughs> I'm hungry now.
1: <laughs> the boat's crew answers a distress call from a British ship.
0: The boat answers a distress call. If this was a Disney movie or Pixar movie, it would just be the boat answering the distress call. Disney, Pixar's boats.
1: Is that a thing?
0: I, I wonder. They Is have it like, already? They probably have a little side story, straight to video, 30 minute little thing. Oh
1: my God, Andrew, you're having me question my reality right now. Like I feel like I'm in the Mandela effect.
0: <laughs> boats. The Is original that... movie in the alternate timeline, the first timeline, uh-huh. not the glitch timeline, was boats, not cars. Wow. But due to that Hadron Collider uh-huh. doing their experiment, it wiped out that timeline, collided with us, so now we have memories of things like uh, the Shazam movie and boats hmm. existing. Boats. Hmm.
1: Boats. Elves needs boats Elves needs boats Elves, 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 Elves needs boats Okay, we are Off track, track. We are crazy right now It's hot It's cause year. we have scurvy We don't have scurvy We have a grapefruit tree And an orange tree in our backyard
0: Well, we're not eating them
1: The U-boat answers the distress call Of this British ship Who have been attacked By some, uh I don't know, some other submarine from Germany, maybe?
0: Perhaps the Nazis. Maybe.
1: There are only a few survivors, and uh, they are brought on board the submarine.
0: There are three, I think. There's Mm -hmm. two men. One of them dies. Uh Uh-huh. The other one stays alive for a while, and there's a woman who's their nurse, who's a British lady. Mm -hmm. So this
1: ship... It was a hospital boat.
0: Yes. So they turn around, they pick them up, but they're very suspicious because... One of them may...
1: Be German.
0: As the Germans, as the Nazis. This is not a good thing. But, like, from there, it just seems like kind of like a don't-trust-the-people-on-the-boat that we pulled on thriller, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? For a Mm -hmm. long time, that's what it feels like. Yeah. And it excels at that, which is what I think you were talking now compared to the other one, the psychological drama, the psychological thriller aspect of it. Mm -hmm. The other movie skimped on, in a way, to pander to the horror movie audience Mm -hmm. this movie does differently Mm -hmm. goes to the psychological tensions yeah as far as it can go before it does any sort of ghosty thing
1: right and the reveal in this is a lot more organic feeling like it's it's very plausible I mean there are supernatural elements obviously that are implausible really but the I'm just gonna go ahead and say like there's a mutiny situation yes it's really believable and you feel for the characters
0: well even the how do you talk about a movie that you want people to watch without ruining it yeah. so i'm just gonna say it spoiler alert stop listening right now go watch the movie good glad you watched the movie now you're back there's some ghosty stuff that happens on the boat during moments where silence is absolutely necessary silence breaks a record starts playing and it's benny Goodman's song what the heck how does that happen Nobody's in the captain's bunk, So they go search. It's got to be the Nazi. It's got to be the Brit Lady. It's neither Mm -hmm. of them. End up killing one of them. Not the Brit Lady, obviously. This movie was directed by David Toohey. He directed Pitch Black with Vin Diesel.
1: Yes, I know what you're referring to.
0: And this is a completely different style of movie. A better movie, I think. This just comes out of nowhere. Like I think this movie keeps giving when you watch it the first time, several years ago, the next time you watch it, it'll give. You just keep forgetting elements of it. The best movies, you always forget elements of. Yeah. And then you can rewatch them. Because that's what this does. The crew is eventually whittled down to only a handful of people, mm-hmm. including our Zach Galifianakis, Andrew Fleming, Matt Davis, Bruce Greenwood, Mm -hmm. Olivia Williams, of course, Dexter Fletcher, and a German guy. Don't know his name. And Holt McCallany. This is the crew. Ends up being that the acting captain and the second-in-command are the reason for this whole mishap in the first place. Mm -hmm. Sort of. The big mystery is, one, what is happening to the ship? The ship keeps on turning around. Why is it going around constantly? Our commanding officers are very cagey, and they're not talking together in a way that's just two commanding officers talking together. They're kind of concealing how they're talking to each other. They're conferring quietly to each other, yeah. which kind of feels like something's up.
1: Mm-hmm. So the, the rest of the movie is you're kind of with Olivia Williams, and she is trying to figure out what is going on on This American Boat, because...
2: That's
0: an NPR podcast, by the way, This American Boat, with Ira Glass. Well, the two characters that we're supposed to really be following, two characters that we actually are seeing with their eyes. So Olivia Williams' character and Matt Davis' character, who is one of the commanding officers, but he's not the commanding officer. He's like third in command. There's tension because he's not in on what the two commanding officers are in on. He is also trying to figure out what's going on in the boat. Mm -hmm. As they keep continuing leaving area that just keep going and going and going for some reason the boat keeps turning around to go back why he puts them in path of tons of danger
1: and the reveal in this film and we won't get into it too much but um it's so much more organic so it really i think it makes it a compelling story
0: it does um bruce greenwood playing the acting captain is not a man who wanted the situation that he's in. Right. Neither neither is the second in command. They are men struggling with the decision that they had made that got them into this mess in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you see that in their portrayal. They're soldiers, they did something that resulted in tragedy. And now there's a ghost? <laughs> but it doesn't feel stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: So the boat keeps getting sabotaged left and right until they are back where they started. And it's all due to... The cursed boat? <laughs> well, it's superstitious to have a woman on a boat on a, on a submarine. Is it? Back then, it was. There, there's a superstition. You don't want to have a woman on the boat. And they address it in the film.
1: Is that because they think that that's the only thing that the men are going to be focusing on?
0: That's usually... It. Well, here's the thing with military. A long time ago in the military, so far mm-hmm. as back in the 70s, when they started allowing women in clerical positions and administrative positions in the military. If they're in the field being on assignment doing like an exercise with guns and whatever nobody wanted women in the field because of this a man will be distracted not by wanting to have sex with the woman but wanting to protect the woman oh by putting her life in front of his while his job is actually a singular task in front of him he has a woman next to him The thought would be that he is going to be also trying to toddle or care or help her along the way while his task is in front of him and he should be focusing on that. While she would have a similar task and she should be focusing on that, he would be diverting his attention to two things. So that is a theory as to why women in the military, not a good idea, which has been proven wrong.
1: That's a really old-fashioned way of thinking. very
0: old-fashioned way of thinking. And that's one of the reasons why you don't want a woman on a boat. Too distracting.
1: Mm -hmm. In this film, I don't think that was the case, given the language that the men used when uh, it was announced that there was a woman on the boat. Three
3: survivors, Brits, and
0: get this, one's a woman. Three Brits, one's a skirt. Three limeys, one's a female. Hey. Three Brits, one female. We <laughs> got three
3: survivors, oh Brits. One's a woman, hey? Eh? Hey, look lively, woman on board. Hey, oh, spread the news. Three tea bags, and here one's a bazuma. We got ourselves a Philly. Hey boys! We got three red coats. And guess what? One of them's a bleeder.
2: Oh, great. That's all this boat needs, not a piece of rotten luck.
0: Oh yeah, they have a lot of euphemisms
1: pretty salty
0: i find some of it to be amusing but some of it also is just a reductive
1: yeah it doesn't make me feel good as a no. woman
0: when you watch that no. were you really like oh come on guys or what were you doing
1: well it wasn't a dismissive like oh come on guys like stop doing that you know it wasn't like that it was really a sadness of this is this seems true to life this is how perhaps men who are around other men who. It, it's that locker room talk. BS.
0: Yeah, BS, because. You know. I haven't known anybody but well maybe one or two men in my life uh, three maybe to have actually talked like that as a, a way of talking
1: well that's not what i mean by bs what i mean by bs is that it shouldn't be said at all like i'm not saying it's bs it doesn't happen because it obviously happens even if it's one or two dudes that you knew it happens
0: Sure, but I don't know so many men that do it. This movie portrays, like, all the men are, like, perking up their ears and going, oh, yeah, we all talk like this type of thing. When it's actually a chain that's probably, like, three or four men playing a game of telephone
1: yeah, maybe. We've got a
0: lady on the boat. They all have different ways of saying a lady on the boat.
1: Maybe, but, you know, what it reminds me of is, like, uh, when you order something in a diner and they the waitress calls it out to the cook and it's just this really funny phrase. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that that's very appropriate to reduce a woman to something like that. But I get what you're saying. I mean, uh, not everyone has that experience. And, and I would hope that, you know, in the... Eighty years—it's been since World War II. Things are a little bit better now.
0: Yeah, but I mean, go so far as the ladies' beloved *Greece*. Listen to how *Greece* is.
1: *Greece* the musical. Yeah,
0: *Greece* the awful movie musical or the play musical. Yeah. The language and that—it's also set there in the '50s, so it's post World War II. They're constantly being gross. Everybody is actually the the ladies' version. The guys versions, of guys are depicted almost as date rapists in that. That's just how it was back then.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's how certain guys were back then. And I think maybe that's what they're depicting in this. That these are the kind of guys that would be on a submarine.
1: Perhaps so. Still made me feel bad. But it didn't ruin the movie for me.
0: So do you think it gave kind of an Arab authenticity? Or um, was in, it just a way, there as a, a sort of like a word to fun with
1: no, old-timey I, uh, misogynists? I, yeah, I don't know. But it, what's, what's cool, though, and, you know, I was thinking it might be to set up a juxtaposition of this is how women are thought of, and look how awesome of a character Olivia Williams is in Whoa. this
0: not just what you're saying because the script does do this does what you're saying but Mm -hmm. it works it into part of the story because Andrew Fleming's character is one of them who says the bleeder line Mm -hmm. right he's one of those guys that is coming up against Olivia Williams being like eyeballing her and they pull that gag with the dead German where they prop open Mm -hmm. his mouth with the pencils and they're like ha 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 make Mm -hmm. him make noises and make her think that he's a ghoul or a ghost and just be spooky Mm -hmm. they start pulling these mean spirited pranks and they're doing it because they have some sort of resentment against a woman on the boat Mm -hmm. okay they're jerks he and his buddy when it comes down to it by the end of the film they have a moment after all of the adventure all of the mystery is solved Fleming is still there he and she have a moment where they're like
2: well you weren't the first woman that ever slapped me and you won't be the last but that was a good thing you done for me back there well done miss page
0: Well done, Mr. Stumbo. They have a moment of understanding. That sort of thing. That's in the story. That's in the script.
1: Right, so it's set up to be like a redemption sort of thing, in a way.
0: By the end of the story, not that he's an authority on it, but to him, she has proven herself as one of his peers, as opposed to a woman on the boat and we're superstitious because she's a woman on the boat and bleeder and whatever.
1: Yeah, okay. So
0: she is now on equal footing to him. or Maybe even above because of her risking her life because he's a bit of a coward.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I really like Olivia Williams in this. Like, I like her role altogether. Yeah. Uh, she's the only woman in this movie, and she's not presented in a way that's typical to the only woman in a movie, especially if it involves military men. There, there's no falling in love story. Like, There's no romantic tension at all. She's not a damsel in distress in any way. Like, she can take care of herself. She's smart. She's intuitive. She figures out the mystery.
0: Not all of it. She figures out some of the mystery. Mm-hmm. Matt Davis and she are kind of like the detective team that are investigating on their own terms. And then they converge and figure things out together. Mm-hmm. And the closest romance you would have is between those two people. But it's still not pushed at us.
1: No, not at all.
0: And he just treats her as a colleague. And mm-hmm. she just treats him as a colleague. Yeah. Whereas, as we were saying, Fleming didn't treat her as a colleague at all. Treated her as a, an albatross. Mm. Lady on the boat, bad sign. Yeah, okay. So resentment towards that. And all sorts of like like baggage from all kinds of age-old misconceptions, preconceptions about women and men and military and all that stuff from a long time ago, World War II and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't live then, so I really don't know how people were treated. She literally follows the rule that you have in writing a strong female character. Yeah. Write a character who's strong.
1: And then make her a woman. And then just... maybe
0: Just write... Next to it, also a woman. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how you write a strong character. That's your rule. Yeah. And this movie follows that.
1: Yes. One thing I like about Below is there are certain nods, tiny little nods in the writing, like the British ship. Is named the Archimedes, Hmm. so that's a little scientific thing. I didn't notice
0: that. Yeah, that's that's cool.
1: Yeah, and there's there's stuff like Galifianakis is reading uh, an EC Comics-like comic the entire time. He's the superstitious one.
0: He's one of the superstitious ones, but he's talking about spooky stuff. Like yeah, who? Like ghosts and things like this. Suddenly,
3: his heart rolled over backwards in his chest, and he saw this huge, wretched thing before him. Instantly, its mouth widened into a terrible and hungry menace. Now, the malediction under the deep brooded sound, malediction looking up.
1: There's a, a little bit of uh, foreshadowing with Macbeth. Like Olivia Williams finds a book that came out of the captain's quarters that is Macbeth. So there's a little bit of illusion there about it being a ghost story, which, you know, Macbeth is a ghost story. But w- what i do like about this movie is that it has these little things like that but it's not your typical transparent i'm naming this character carpenter or like ramey. yeah or ramey yeah or uh, romero they're they're from miskatonic or you know whatever <laughs> it's not like that although the uss miskatonic yeah, right? Uh, although, I will say, one of the characters that's the second in command, mm-hmm. uh, his last name is Loomis. So it's not completely void well, that. Well, I'll
0: just say, I think Loomis is just a standard horror movie name. Yeah. Pre, it's, I think, in Psycho even. So it's just a name that's used <laughs> time and time again. Sometimes it's really obvious that it's a, a reference. Like mm-hmm. in Scream. Yeah. The Loomis' house. Yes. But in here, I think it's just a name. I don't really think that it's got a through line to any sort of, like, how is that a reference? Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) know.
1: But it's noticeable.
0: I guess. If you're us, you know horror.
1: (laughs) Now, here's another supposition. We talked about suppositions for Ghost Ship. Now, here's one for Below. This film was written by Darren Aronofsky. Yes. And he was set to direct it. Oh. However, he went to make Requiem for a Dream instead. Huh. So, Andrew, Below directed by Darren Aronofsky.
0: No, sir. I don't like it. <laughs> so I like pie. I like pie enough. Yeah. Okay, I really like cherry pie. Apple pie is pretty good. Mhm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: But P.I. 3.14, the movie that Darren did first, is a bonkers. I'm not going to pretend that I actually understand most of it because I don't. Weird, strange, black and white film that's a bit disturbing at points. And then he would have done this movie? Yeah. I don't know if he could have handled it.
1: Because it's so um, mainstream, I guess?
0: Well, yeah, it's a mainstream film, but like the type of filming that it is, and having seen the behind the scenes, the cramped quarters. Mm hmm. And, no, it's not the most perfect film, but Tui does a really admirable job at working it. I'm just saying perfect, like using special effects and some of the CG effects aren't that great. Underwater effects, you can hide things in it, but whatever. The script is solid, but knowing Aronofsky's work, I think, yeah, he's better suited for Requiem for a Dream or anything else that he ever made. And I'm not too fond of his work. (laughs) I am fond of some of his style editing choices. I don't think that he could have done Tui much in this film with that.
1: I tend to agree with you. I I think I like pie a little more than you do.
0: You probably do.
1: Um, But I deal with math more than you do.
0: Yeah, I... I'm not a math, I can't grasp it. I draw funny pictures.
1: Theoretical math is definitely harder for you to grasp.
0: Mm -hmm. So you put numbers in front of me and I'm gonna be like, oh, oh, great. Okay, I'll just take your word for it. (laughs) So.
1: But the golden ratio, Andrew, that's art.
0: Yeah, I can just take that thing and overlay it onto a piece of paper and then arrange stuff Uh to it. I don't actually have to do the math every time.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, that just goes to prove that everyone needs math. Like a lot of people are like, oh, when am I ever going to use algebra or whatever? You know, you use math a whole lot and you don't even realize it. So you need to learn it to really, it's just, it sharpens your brain to, to do everyday tasks.
0: Like the dishes or the laundry.
1: Mhm. Totally.
0: Mowing the lawn. Mhm. Cleaning out the gutters.
1: Those aren't everyday tasks.
0: Well, they are for me. One leaf at a time. <laughs> so, it's a ghost story. You like the ghost story?
1: I love ghost stories.
0: <laughs> you, do you like Below being a ghost story?
1: Yeah, I do. Do
0: you think that it could have done without the ghost?
1: This one, I would say no. No? No. The the ghost in this is a motivating factor.
0: It's a literal plot device. It moves the story yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah, I, of the two movies, I think this is the most solid one. And I was really surprised, having only seen this two or three times before, and the last time I saw it was the first time you saw it in 2008.
1: Or so. It
0: just holds up so well. Uh, I, yeah, I really like Below.
1: I do too. So thank you again, everybody, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate your support. You should go follow us on our different social medias. We have a Twitter. It's at Vincent Price, LOL. We have a Facebook. Uh, you can just search Vincent Price's laugh. We have a Patreon. Well, it's uh, Jemetsco patreon that you can check out throw us a few dimes if you'd like we'd really appreciate that also check out ouchmyego.com our host site there's a whole lot of cool movie reviews and album reviews different things like that and other things that are going on specifically to our uh, Rio Grande Valley in South Texas but maybe you're interested in that too
0: until next time goodbye this podcast is brought to you by ouch
1: my visit OuchMyEgo.com
3: But I object!